If you've got your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and open them. Um, <clears throat> you can open them at 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 12 through to 19. If you want to and you've got a uh, paper copy of the Bible, vintage as it is, uh, put a finger in uh, Matthew 5 because uh, we'll, be, we'll be heading there as well. I, I need to just be honest with you. This, these verses have um, slightly unraveled me in the last couple of weeks. And so I'm going to attempt to... Um, to <laughs> attempt to share uh, really what I believe God's challenging us with as we, as we dive into these verses together. And um, forgive me as we kind of maybe stumble through that a little bit because uh, I, f- I feel a little undone by what God wants to challenge us with personally. Um, so hopefully uh, what I say will make sense in and amongst it being a journey that I'm on right now. Good. To that end, <laughs> I'm going to pray. <laughs> Father, I thank you um, for salvation, Jesus. I thank you for the grace and the mercy that you pour out into our lives that mean that we uh, can live for you, that we can come alive. We, Father, we weren't just uh, untidy people that needed tidying up. We were dead people that became alive. And Jesus, in that beautiful moment of transformation, when we said yes to you, our, our lives um, became new. And Father, there's a transformation that happens on our lives, but there's something that you want to do in and through our lives, and that is the, the transformation of people who don't know you yet, the coming to life, the bringing back into relationship, uh, the lost, the lonely, those people that don't yet know you. Uh, and in that, God, you bring some challenge to us. You bring some challenge for us to live life out loud, to be demonstratively alive to the people around us in a way where they see the life and the love and the peace and the joy of Jesus on our lives. And so we ask that, God, you give us a fresh boldness this morning. That even as I share that, God, there would be a, a renewed conviction, a new confidence in who we are and your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for being, um, sorry, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if, a, um, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. For it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us... What will, it, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is, a scare, is, if the righteous is scarily saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Essentially, we're back in that place with Peter. We're back in that place where he's speaking to what we know is a group of disparate, disconnected, suffering uh, Christians who formed the part of the early church. We know this because we've been in this book for a few months now. 
And um, we know that um, Peter's not, in this moment, he's not just talking about um, suffering that we might find in our life because of sickness or, or tragedy. He's talking about the kind of suffering that comes when we, uh, as a direct result of living life out loud for Jesus. That's the context of these verses. And I have to be honest with you, these verses have been massively challenging for me over the last couple of weeks. I found myself, um, as I say, slightly undone as I hold uh, the reality of these verses almost by way of a mirror up against my own life and say, well, what does this really mean for me? Where do I find myself in this realm of, of suffering or, as you'll discover, lack thereof? Um, and in this challenge of these verses for me, I, I, I could, if I wanted to, and will do briefly, um, I could give you three very tidy, uh, encouraging points that I can pull from the, these verses. It could be nice. It would be a nice three-point message. It'd be very tidy and super encouraging for you all. And that's what we all came to church for, right? Just to be super encouraged. And uh, I do hope that we end and leave here super encouraged. But for right now, let's all just be unraveled by the reality of these verses. I could tell you that if we look at verse 13, and we can throw it back up on the screen... I could tell you that it encourages us as believers that in suffering for living for Jesus, that we would be strengthened, that we'd find joy through those times. And in, in, in the process of that, that Jesus would be glorified. I could tell you that, and that would be a good thing to know. Point two is that I could tell you as we look at verse 14, uh, that there's a blessing to be found in suffering. That, um, that, that um, as we live life out loud for Jesus, that ultimately wherever we find opposition, we'll equally find blessing. That's what those verses tell us. It's amazing to think that in the context of suffering, we could at some level experience God resting on us. There's a promise of, of God's provision and presence right in the very midst of encountering suffering for living for Jesus. I could tell you that, and that would be super encouraging. Uh, I could tell you, as we look at maybe verses 15 and 16, I could tell you that suffering and living a life out loud for Jesus um, is by way of bearing his name. And in, in the process of bearing his name, even in the context of suffering, we step into our, our mission, and that is that the name of Jesus becomes known. Even through our suffering, even through the challenges of, of living life out loud and finding the repercussions of those things, ultimately the name of Jesus is becoming known, which is super encouraging, right? So there's your nice three-point tidy encouraging message. And uh, if it's all right with you, I'd like to move on and slightly be unraveled by the, the truth and the challenge that's in these verses. Because... Um, All of those things are true. Those three things are, are, are very, very true, but they leave me incredibly um, uncomfortable in the best possible way. I, I'm left feeling provoked. I'm left feeling challenged. I'm, um, I, I'm needing to be honest in that those three points are, are fine, but they don't find any landing place in and on my life because... The bottom line is that I don't have any expectation that I would suffer for living out loud for Jesus. I, I just don't live in that reality. And there's a problem for me there. 
The bottom line is I don't live in an expectation that I would be confronted with challenge as a result of living life out loud for Jesus. And hot on, the feels of, hot on the heels of that thought for me is, well, actually, why not? Do I really take any risk at all in my life? And this is the place where I'm starting to become unraveled. Do I take any risk at all in my life for the reality of Jesus being made known to those around me? And that, that's a challenge. It's a question. You know, it's difficult for us to, to take um, these verses, these words that Peter wrote, and ask ourselves, well, what does it say to us? What is, it, what is the what does it say to me key that I find in these verses? Knowing that the reality of where these, where these words were first spoken out and heard was in the context of extreme persecution. You know, which, which is just, it, it, it's so different to my Western 2016 culture and reality that I, I face. is just completely different. We need to be absolutely clear at the context that Peter's writing into because it's a bit of a wake-up call for us in our comfortability and our ease of faith and worship. Peter's writing to people who, bottom line, are... Uh, are being killed because of their belief, because of their living life out loud for Jesus. These are people who are being persecuted, who are being punished, imprisoned, who are living out life in fear of their lives, in fear of physical pain because of their, not just their inner belief in Jesus, but the, the outward expression of that. And that's what Peter repeatedly throughout all of these, these verses, throughout the whole of this book has been calling a whole community to, to, um, to not just hide in the light of persecution, but to live radically transparent radically loud lives that would, uh, would not keep them safe, but actually would put them full on in the, in the, in the gaze of, um, of pain and suffering and trial. You know, Peter has spent much of this letter reminding these incredible early believers that they are to continue to live lives that demonstrate who they follow, demonstrate the reality of Christ's transformation in their life and in doing so he's asking them to hold fast to who they really are to what it really means to follow and live a life according to Jesus knowing that that will place these people's lives in extreme risk and extreme danger this letter was not a survival manual I think I said this before in previous weeks, you know, if this would have been me, I would have been talking about find the nearest hole, run away, learn how to fight, disappear. In my strategy in this kind of environment would have been retreat, but all the way through, Peter's consistent. He's not talking to a group of people that he's asking to shrink back. He's talking to a group of people who's saying, come alive, live out loud. And the reality of, of that challenge brings with it the stark reality of death, pain, torture, imprisonment. Like these are not nice things. But that's not where I find myself here in Manchester, 2016. It's not where I find myself. It's not what I'm confronted with on a daily basis. 
I was thinking, you know, at some level, if I was to try and water down these verses to make it apply to you, maybe I would stand here and I would tell you or talk to you about how you navigate the trial of having maybe your coffee not quite so warm after today's meeting. Maybe that's the, the trial that we're confronted with today. You know, maybe I, maybe I should talk to you about how you navigate through a worship set that, that maybe wasn't quite as good as it was. I'm not saying that about this. That wasn't, apologies. It was just merely an example. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I could try and stand up here and talk to you about how you could increase the amount of Christian uh, inspirational comments or Bible verses you can put up on your social media and maybe how you could navigate some of those difficult comments that get left in your Facebook trail when somebody disagrees with what you say. You know, maybe that's the trial. Maybe that's the challenge that we face. Maybe, maybe I would stand in front of you and talk to you about how, you know, how do you navigate that colleague that you have who just can't wrap his head around why you would choose to, to not have a lie-in on a Sunday morning and, and, and how you tell him or help him understand why as you chose to follow Jesus and, and go to church as part of that, that, that it's any different than him having a hobby to go learn Spanish or take up golf and why actually you chose rather than being on doing 18 holes, you chose to be here in worship. Like maybe that's the challenge that I get to try and help you with. I, I don't think I want to disseminate these verses down to a watered down, half-hearted, easygoing expression because fundamentally in these verses we come face to face with the choice of whether or not we choose to risk like risk is the big equation the big the big equals in the midst of this equation of how we live life out loud the thing that these verses have really um taken me on a journey again and I come back around to this and Sarah is helps me in this journey but I've come back around to the reality of um, oppression and persecution in the world and um, these verses don't as comfortable as it is to sit in Manchester 2016 that's this is not the reality that people face around the world today there's a reality which none of us really experience. And yet still the question gets pointed at me, what does risk look like in my life? What does it look like for me to live out loud? When the reality is that I, there's nothing that lies in front of me that should scare me or should hinder me. There's no real risk that lies in front of me and yet I choose so consistently to step back and to remain hidden. And yet there are people around the world today that are losing their lives, that are being imprisoned, that are being punished simply because they choose to live life out loud for Jesus. These are people that take risks. You may think you have a hard time dealing with irritating people on your Facebook thread. It's, it's not risk to be a keyboard warrior behind your computer screen it's no risk at all to say outlandish things and to have arguments on it. it's no risk at all to fight people on Facebook it's boring as a side note don't do it it's ridiculous 
It's the worst place to have a conversation when you can't look in the eyes of people, share your heart with them. That's not a point, but anyway. The reality of some people suffering in this world is very, very real. And I found myself, even this week, I've had some time this week to, again, to dive into some of the historical stories. But, uh, you know, this isn't, the reality of persecution isn't, it isn't left to the history books. It's in the very real pages of, of, well, not newspapers, but it's on the very real pages of people's lives right now. And I found myself weeping over story after story of people's tragedy as family members are lost, as children are lost, as people are beaten, imprisoned, who are suffering, who are killed for living life out loud for Jesus. And whilst my heart breaks, I'm so deeply challenged. I'm so deeply challenged because I, I don't have any of that risk in front of me. And yet I still have a choice. The impending reality of pain and suffering, it's not at my doorstep, and yet I still have a choice. Still have a choice to live life out loud for Jesus. Persecution, it's not just a historical fact. It is a very present day reality. And we will take time this morning to pray as a family, to lift up those who don't have the liberty and the freedom that where, the, where the, the reality of risk is one of life and death, not, not what we encounter. And whilst I'm not, as a result of what I'm saying now, I am not saying that, that we are to all quit our jobs and go search out the most volatile situation on the earth to go find ourselves in so we can go take some risk. That's not what I'm saying. I believe there's a choice in front of every single one of you. There is risk for you to take. The implications of that risk may well not be as grave as it is for other people. But I don't think that these verses are calling us all to go find volatile situations and to place ourselves in them. Now, you may well be called to do that. And in that, I would bless, stand with you, encourage you, and add any strength I can do to your life as you work out the calling to go, as many people do, to far places in the nations and encounter the kind of challenge and trial that so many people do for their faith. So it's not a case of going and finding a threat of death. A place where if you were to talk about Jesus or live life out loud for Jesus, you would be persecuted. We have one very important shared experience with those believers who have that reality. We have very one important similarity to these very precious believers who are living around the world right now. Living in fear of their lives because of their faith. That shared experience that we have, that, that very important similarity is Jesus Christ. He stands as the cornerstone of my life and he stands at the cornerstone of their lives. We are at one level, at a foundational level, we are no different. We, as they have done, have experienced the radical love and grace of God through Jesus. We know what it is, as they do, to experience a living, breathing relationship with a father who loves them individually and knows them personally. 
Now the risks and the consequences for their lives, living in the reality of suffering and the reality of potential uh, punishment, pain, imprisonment, perhaps even death. The, the, the realities that they live in are very, very different to mine and they're very, very different to yours. But what challenges, is, uh, challenges me um, is that um, it, it creates a moment for me to be absolutely honest with myself and ask the question, where does, where does the turning point, where is the tipping point of risk in my life? For those people, it would be very easy to point to. At any moment that they mention the name of Jesus, there are people on the earth today that risk having their life taken from them. It's not a risk I take, but what's the point of risk in my life? Is it that conversation that I, I may have with a colleague? Is it, is it that moment where I hear the, the small voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me as I'm, I'm on the bus or as I'm, as I'm walking to go get lunch or, or as I greet my neighbor in the morning? Is it, is it that that's the point of risk? The consequences are not the same. We're not going to die if we tell our neighbor just how much God loves them. We take that moment, that tipping point of risk to pray for somebody who, who we know that's sick and ask God's kingdom to break in and to see healing and transformation. The reality of the consequences of that risk are not great. But nonetheless, there is risk for us to embrace. And we have to, we have to be real with ourselves the experience of, if we experience in any risk at all, the consequences of that risk really aren't that great. I would say to you, it would be highly unlikely if you chose to walk out of here today and spend every minute of every day for the next week taking opportunities to share and show the love of Jesus to people around you, whether you would, you would actually, you would unlikely encounter any real backlash you wouldn't, I would be very, very surprised if you encountered a situation where if you gave every minute of every day for the whole week, whether you would experience a moment where your life was at risk. But what are we giving ourselves to in the area of risk? What are we giving ourselves to as we go about our life in this whole area of living out loud? There are believers today and throughout history that have taken this risk for living for Jesus, and it cost them their lives. And yet what, what lies beyond a small risk that potentially lies in front of us is so little. And yet often we bypass risk for anonymity, for an easy life, for... Uh, keeping the status quo for being politically correct, whatever reason it is that causes us to encounter risk and say, no, 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 I'm going to walk in the other direction for so many of us. And I absolutely include myself right now. I know I bypass risk all the time for several different reasons. And I want to go after some of those reasons today. See, the reality is, is that there is a, um, there is a, a verse that shouts very loudly to us in Matthew 5. And it's Matthew 5, 14 to 16, and this is Jesus speaking. 
And he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And so there is this picture in scripture of us being a light. And this light gives light to the whole house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that you may see the good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. But the reality for so many of us is that is we spend life, perhaps even in our, in, our, in, our, in our safe moments, we decide to let our light shine. I think plenty of you let, let your light shine in here. It's pretty safe. But in here... The reality is that, um, that it's safe and there's no risk. There's very little risk of anything at all going wrong in here as you shine your light, as the reality of Christ is lived out in your life. But for so many of us, when we step outside, it is like we put something over the top. I'm really hoping this doesn't melt. Um, it's like we walk out of this building and something comes on us. And for different people, it's going to be different things. For maybe some of you, it's fear. And maybe on this, on this bucket, on this basket that sits over our lives, maybe it's fear. It's getting hotter. <laughs> oh, it's not going to go out. Maybe it is fear. Maybe it is insecurity. Maybe it is uh, the fear that um, in some way, if you let your light shine, if there is a reality of living out loud for Jesus that in some way you'll be, you'll be confronted with pain or persecution or people will reject you. Quite honestly, that, that may be a very real, real thing for you. You may look at it and go, you know, I, I, I'm just, you know, people don't know that I'm a Christian because I just don't know how they're going to respond. Can I tell you quite honestly, and this is from me and this may not be you, I'm just lazy. Like I'm just lazy. Honestly, this is, this is me. It's probably not you. It's just me. I'm, I'm lazy. I put this bucket of laziness and I don't really care. And I have to ask the question, did, did Jesus really change my life? Do I understand the, re, the full reality of what Jesus paid for me? Because my life just doesn't demonstrate it. Because I'm lazy. And I give off this attitude perhaps because... At some level, I'm, I'm looking for an easy ride. And it, it challenges me, it unravels me to the point where I'm, I'm so convicted. Oh, it's either gone out. No, it's melting. <laughs> oh, man, this worked so well in my brain. See, the bottom line is, this is going to get even worse. The bottom line is, I think for so many of us, we, we think that it's even like this, that the end goal is that we all get together as Christians and we're all together and we're letting our light shine and it's, it's a whole bunch of light. And we get together and we, and we sing loudly and we, we do it regularly and we call it church. And we think that this is what shining our light's like. It's like we can all just get together and have this this big old light party. But the reality for so many of us, even though we call it church, is that we step out of this building, and if this is, this will melt, so I'm not going to do it. We step out of the building, and it's as if all of it just gets blown away. And what happens is we are just left kind of wandering the earth with very little other than just smoke. And I don't want 
what comes out of my life, the reality of living life out loud to look like smoke. But so often that's, I think, what the world encounters. I think they look at the church and they don't, they don't see a transformation. They don't see lives that are prepared to live in accordance with the radical salvation and transformation. They just see smoke. And we can dress it up as however we want. We can dress it up um, as saying that we're individuals trying to shine. Or we can dress it up that we all get together and we, we call it church. But what happens in here really is not the deal breaker. It's really what happens out there. And I want to, we're going to go a little longer on time here because this is really important. So our kids will be fine. Um, so don't leave for go and get, get and get your kids. When it comes up on the screen, don't, don't leave. Um, um, I want to, uh, I want to walk through, um, I want us to pray. Uh, in a second, there, there's a basket going to come around and there's a little piece of plastic in that basket and it represents this bucket. And I feel like for so many of us, we have to get to grips with what is this bucket that sits over our lives? Like, what is it that hangs over our lives in our workplaces and our families? What is it that, that ultimately extinguishes the life and the love and the passion that we are so adequately and confidently able to express in here? What is it that ultimately causes us to take this thing, whatever it is, be it fear, be it indifference, be it uh, laziness, what is it that I place over my life? And I want us to, I want us to um, wrestle with this thing, not just in this moment, but when we leave, which is why I've got something physically for you to take with you. And as the bowls come around, there's a little piece of plastic and it constitutes a broken up bucket in fact, it doesn't even constitute it. It literally is. Um, and there's going to be some Sharpies that get passed around. I just want to pray and ask Holy Spirit to show us what is it that we're placing over our lives? What is it that we allow to come and sit over our lives that shapes and determines how much we're prepared and how willing we're prepared to demonstrate the light and the life of Jesus as we walk out of this place. And with this pen, um, just as quickly get these bits of plastic out because you're going to take them home. But with this Sharpie, just write on that, on that bit of plastic. If it's fear, if you're just, you know, you've been going to work for 10 years, same place, no one knows that you love Jesus. And because no one knows you love Jesus, guess what they don't know? That Jesus loves them. This is the reality of our silence, of our being extinguished. It's not just that they don't know that Jesus loves you. They don't know that Jesus, that the Father loved them so much that he sent Jesus for them. They, they just don't know that. Maybe that's been your experience. And maybe it's been fear. Maybe it is that you just don't want to stick out. You know, maybe you would be honest like, like me perhaps this week. And I'm like, do you know what? I just want an easy ride. I I don't know what a conversation, where a conversation might take me if I decide to step out in faith and share that word of knowledge that God gives me. I'm worried I'll be rejected. I don't want the confrontation. Maybe I'm just a little bit lazy. So I would write lazy. Lazy is on my piece of plastic. Whatever it is, maybe it's insecurity. I'm going to pray. And whatever it is, I just want you to write that thing on that bit of plastic. And you're going to take that home, put it somewhere where you'll see it every day, and do business with God. 
So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you, you bring challenge, but you convict our hearts. And we, we say it's okay, Holy Spirit. You can do what you need to do with us this morning because there's a lot that is on the line. The direction of my workplace, the direction of my family, the direction of my city resides around what I write down on this piece of plastic. There's no greater way to put it, but the reality of the light that you've asked for me to display in this earth, in my family, in my workplace, the reality of that means me stepping out, means me walking past the risk and into a conversation, into a moment where heaven could break down into earth. Heaven could come to earth in a conversation this week because I didn't bypass risk. I stepped in. I leaned in. So Holy Spirit, whatever it is that causes us to place that bucket, that bucket of fear, whatever it is, that, that bucket of laziness, that bucket of I just don't care, whatever it is, Father, would you come and by your Holy Spirit just convict our hearts? In Jesus' name, I pray that this would be the start of a journey where you'd unravel the things that ultimately keep us hidden. Because there's an assignment on our lives to shine. There's an assignment on our lives to demonstrate the love and the life and the transformation of Jesus to those around me. And now not, is not a time for me to be worried about what I look like. So come, Holy Spirit, we ask that you challenge our hearts in Jesus' name. So take a few minutes, just as we, um, we do one other thing this morning. Um, I want to, uh, I just want to, I want to read a few things to you. There's a really, really helpful website. Um, just as we transition, I want to pray for the persecuted church. I want to pray for the reality that some people find themselves in right now, today. And there are so many helpful things um, on a website called Open Doors UK. You can Google Open Doors UK and it will point you uh, to some really helpful things, both practically being aware and becoming aware of the reality of persecution in the world. And it also will help you understand how you can, how you can pray and how you can get involved. But um, they have a, a list on there, which is the, the top 10 list. I want to just run through some of this reality. And if you've got small children in here and they're still with you, you might want to take them out at this point. But North Korea, the population of 25.3 million, is around 300,000 Christians. But North Korea is the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. And, and they, they clock this. This is based on 2015 statistics. But um, it, North Korea has been uh, one of the most challenging nations to be a Christian for the last 14 years. Christians faced arrest. They faced torture, imprisonment, and death for daring to believe that there is a higher authority than the nation's leader, which right now is Kim Jong-un. And um, many, many followers in Korea uh, have to uh, follow Jesus in secret. Uh, their parents often don't even tell their children that they are Christians for fear um, that their faith will be revealed. Thousands of Christians have been trapped in horrific labor camps. They've been isolated in closed um, villages. And despite that fact, um, North Korea uh, are still choosing to follow Jesus. They're still choosing to follow Jesus. It's amazing. Iraq, there are 37.5 million people and there's around a quarter of a million Christians. And 
There's always been an expression of church in Iraq for the past 2,000 years, but today that is on the verge of extinction. Thousands of Christians are forced from their homes. In 2014, um, the, uh, the group IS effectively um, issued a death warrant on every single Christian in that nation. And uh, Christians have faced abduction, they've faced attack, that has been a cruel and maybe even at times sexual nature at the hands of these extremists. Um, and even though Iraq is free of uh, Islamic law, um, ultimately you're forbidden to be anything other than a, a Muslim. And leaving the Muslim faith uh, is considered to be a breach of the law. Um, Moving through that, uh, Eritrea, a population of 5.4 million. There's 2.6 million Christians. But Eritrea has been dubbed the North Korea of Africa. And uh, it's under the control of a dictator uh, who, who has seen Christians as an agent of the West. And believers are imprisoned. They're horrifically treated. Um, some of them are, are kept in metal shipping containers uh, in, in scorching temperatures. Other, others are forced to work long hours doing manual labor. Um, and the government also sympathizes with Islamic extremism. Um, just even last year, 30 Christians were killed um, as a result of expressing their faith in Jesus Christ. And the list goes on and on, and, and it, it's challenging reading um, because it's so far from the reality that we find, and yet for so many of us, we're still content to put a bucket over our lives. And I think some of, some of this unraveling, some of this journey for each one of us has to be the, the way in which we compare and we comparatively understand our life of freedom and the luxury that it gives us to take real risk. Not the risk that would mean that we would face life or death, but the real risk of saying, am I going to choose to let my light, my life impact the world around me or am I going to consistently place a bucket Whatever it is, fear, anxiety, laziness over my life. And this is the challenge and it sits in stark contrast. But I want to turn for the last few minutes just to pray together. And I've, I wanted Charlotte um, to come and uh, just share some of the things uh, that she's been sensing and some of the things that, that we need to pray into this morning. And um, Charlotte has been someone who I've so appreciated. There's so many of you in this community that I know consistently pray for and are advocates for those uh, who are brothers and sisters who are persecuted because of their faith. I know so many of you do, but Charlotte has consistently uh, sought to challenge Sarah and I, has sought to continually place it in front of us to pray. And she's uh, like, that's a beautiful irritation. So thank you and keep doing it. Um, but I wanted her to share because I wanted her to focus where we would pray pray for the next few minutes. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm really excited by what um, Phil's brought to us today. And um, firstly, I just feel like uh, we need to repent um, for the times when we um, are now reminded and don't think about our brothers and sisters. And God really put on my heart that they are our brothers and sisters and they're our family. And we've had such great teaching on family at church over the last year and um, just felt like God wanted to broaden our minds and remember that they're our brothers and sisters. Um, and I think when we do that, um, 
like Phil was talking about risk, and I think one of the risks he wants us to take is to maybe um, dare to lament and dare to actually let God tenderize our hearts for them. And um, lament can feel like a, a scary place to go, but actually I think it's this whole thing about um, you don't have resurrection life without the crucifixion and you don't have um, mourning without night. And I think if we allow God to tenderize our hearts and to dare to lament, then he'll bring us such a wonderful revelation of his love for our brothers and sisters and actually the depth and the greatness of his love for the world and the fact that he's got it and that he's got us. Um, So can I just pray for us? Um, So do you want to just stand and um, dare to open your hearts to God's love in this like desperate place? So Holy Spirit, um, we dare to invite you into our hearts. Father God, we repent um, where we love our comfort. We love our safety. We love our image. And um, we put it above, above you. And Lord, if we dare to believe the Bible is true and if we dare to trust you, then things would look very different. And so, God, we repent. And Holy Spirit, come, come and transform us. Come and tenderize our hearts. That we would dare to open our eyes to the suffering, um, that we'd dare to look at it. We wouldn't look away. But we'd dare to see it. And we'd dare to trust that you're there and that you are greater than it. Father, show us the depth of your love for these people that are are suffering and are tormented, but they stand and they choose and they worship you and they pray for us, God. They pray for us, Lord, and we just dare to transform, transform our hearts, God, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit. And I pray you teach us how to lament in a way that doesn't just sit us in sadness, God, but that brings us through to the other side where we can say, you are King of kings and you're Lord of lords. And how can we be frightened of anything? Teach us, God. Thank you. Okay, and then um, did you want to split into little groups? Yeah, should we do that? Do you want to get into little groups? Um, threes or fours or bigger if you need to. Did you want to do your bits? Of um, <clears throat> so one specific thing that I really wanted us to pray for was Christian converts um, who convert from from any religion really, but specifically from Islam or Hinduism. Um, a lot of them are being forced to turn back um, to the former religion. And I just really want to pray for them and uh, specifically for ones that, whose families reject them because they've become Christians because um, 
they just must be horrendous. So if we just pray, because God places the lonely in families, so let's just pray for them and pray that um, God would give them courage and strength. So I'll pray, but you guys just pray as well. Lord, we just honor these, these Christians that have um, found you. We thank you so much that there are so many people finding you um, in these dark places, God. We just praise you, Lord, for them, and I pray that you would strengthen them with the fullness of your spirit and your power. God. And we pray for your protection over them, for your comfort for them. I pray that you'd give them places to be safe, Lord. And I pray that you would place the lonely in family, God. Those people that have lost their families because they've turned to you, I pray that they would know that they have entered a whole new world of family, God. And that you will never abandon them, you never leave them, and you never forsake them. Father, I thank you that you allow us the unique privilege to stand as family in and through these situations, that the reality of the hope, of hope for hopeless situations is that we have a God of hope. We have a reality of a Father. And Father, I pray that where we come to the end even of our own prayers and what to pray, where, where Father, it's almost like we, we stand in the gap um, and we have hope for those who have no hope for themselves. We commit as a family as a community here, to own what it is you're doing on the face of the earth. We pray, God, for your protection. We pray, God, that your presence and your strength and your comfort would be with those people. Father, we pray for increased transformation through the gospel in some of the darkest places around the world. These are simple prayers, but they are effective prayers. And I thank you, Father, that you'd remind us even today that where some of these nations are seemingly like North Korea, you'd look at it and it would seemingly be uh, impossible for us to be in those nations, that actually in the spirit there is no distance in the spirit. And so we stand in, in the spirit, we stand and we speak to those nations, to those powers and those principalities, and we, we say with the reality of the kingdom of heaven, break in and break through and break out, that in the midst of that, that you would protect your people, God. You'd bring peace and you'd bring comfort and you'd bring strength in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Charlotte was reminding me that even as we sang that song earlier, um, The Lion of Judah, and that that is a reality that we can sing, that the reality of the strength of the King of the God that we serve would be made real and alive in those situations. I am, um, we, we do want to close out this morning. I realize I've gone, but it's been important for us to own this as a family. It's important that this is not just a moment, but it's a moment that we begin to own this together as we, as we, as even just the Lord this week brings to remembrance, as you take time to go onto that website, Open Doors, and just take time to allow uh, even this process of our hearts being softened towards what God wants to do um, through us as we stand in prayer for those people. So I, I'm just going to pray and bless you as we close. There was a couple of things um, that um, somebody felt like, um, if there's anybody this morning that is has issues with um, with their blood, blood blood conditions. Feel like there's a grace for healing for blood conditions this morning, and also um, if anybody, either yourself or your family member, has um, what has been diagnosed as an incurable disease. 
Um, again, we just want to stand and believe that heaven will break into that, that, that thing, whatever it is, whether it's for a family member or for yourself, and that healing would come. So just those two things we felt like uh, was important to pray for. So prayer team, come and make yourselves available. Father, I thank you for your presence with us. Would you take what you've started in our hearts and Holy Spirit, would you, uh, would you nurture it? Would we be proactive, God, to strengthen ourselves towards your gospel, towards who you're calling us to be in our workplaces and families? In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Feel free to hang out. Uh, We've got coffee, refreshments. If you're here with us for the very first time.